Hello and welcome to the Moisture Farm Report, the Star Wars podcast that can bring you in warm or can bring you in cold. I am your co-host Adam Wheeler and joining me as always is the marvellous, the intrepid traveller, the the cool ice cold slingshots, a great shot of the west or whatever it is I'm trying to say, it is James <laughs> Matthews. Um, did I give you, give you enough? Did I give you enough titles there? <laughs> I like I like all of them. I will happily take all of them, especially marvelous. I'll take that. Oh yeah, is that, well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I give that for both of us. Really, we're both <laughs> the marvelous Moisture Farm Report. There you go, a bit of alliteration for you. Mm. Um, so, nice. how are you doing? Are you okay? I'm doing good, thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing really good. Um, I have had a nice week of work, um, and I have what did I what did I do today? I had a nice sort of <laughs> quiet day. Nice morning running some errands. Um, And I did post finally on Twitter that we actually Mm. crossed our 50th Moisture Farm Report episode, albeit (laughs) two episodes ago. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, we realised that during the middle of our collaboration with Seismic Cinema that we completely missed that milestone. (laughs) Just, yeah, I mean, let's do it now, James. Celebrate, let's, like, happy 50th episode. Well done. Well done, both yeah. of us. Oh, I don't have a drink to cheers with. Oh. No, neither do I. Ah, oh, <laughs> I have. What's the nearest thing I've got near me? I've got a pepper shaker and a salt shaker. Uh, I've got a, a bottle of, of hand cream. Oh, I've got um, I've, I've got a um, half drunk cup of tea, which is slightly lukewarm, but it's a drink, nice. so it will do. It was such an important episode, and also it fell on. Um, a great episode mm. for it to fall on because it fell on Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, the one we were actually in the room for. Exactly, and it, and it was like that was the one episode which felt different and set apart from every single one of our others. So it felt mm. prudent for us to celebrate it when we were there, but we didn't. I think we should normalize celebrating random number episodes. Like we'll celebrate our sixty-first or something. <laughs> Well, hopefully we will catch up on the 100th when it happens and we won't mm, remember it hopefully. in like season 10 or something. <laughs> but yeah, but gosh, it's a year and a half, James, of of, of um, releasing episodes. Can you believe it? Mm, I can't. No, that's I, I'm genuinely stunned that we're like coming up for season five or we're planning season five soon because it feels like so that feels like more seasons than we have really done, if that makes sense. It does, and I think it's I think it's because we've planned more episodes than our than the episodes we've released. So it feels like we've got this back catalogue <laughs> of stuff we're going to be working through, uh, or we're mm. we're trying to complete. Um, but it also feels like we've been working on it longer than a year and a half because we have, haven't we? I mean, we started planning this mm. maybe two years ago. Yeah, it has been about two years since we started planning the the podcast in the first place, and. Like you said, we have got a massive back catalogue. Like, I've got a list on my phone that's already longer than a season for stuff I want to do in season five. <laughs> so, like, we've got episodes up Surpri- to the zoo. We just need to I'm do surprised. I'm, su- I'm surprised I haven't annoyed you yet and you haven't left the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Talking about stuff that we've been doing for a while, let's move on to that. If the audience would love to support the podcast, they can, if they want to, go down to buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farm rep where they can literally donate as much or as little as they would like so james uh today we have Mm -hmm. a little bonus episode don't we we do indeed we're slipping this in before season five we're giving you a little bit of extra content because we love you all so much 
Why don't we get on down to it, James? Let's get into it. So, Adam, what is it that we're going to be talking about this week in our little bonus episode? Well, James, for our bonus episode, we are going to be delving into a... Well, we have a tasty review episode for you all. Um, Given that we have done the same for various... During various other off-seasons, we've done a... um, We did a Book of Boba Fett review. We also have Mm. done a Andor review. Uh, Wait, did we do it? Wait, did we do an Andor review? I'm pretty sure we did. We did the the Andor one. It was the Kenobi one that we forgot about. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say it's the Kenobi one. <laughs> we don't we don't mention that one. So we are on it this time with a Mandalorian season three review. What what's your general overview of season three? Did you like it? Well, how did you find it? Um uh, I hmm. I feel like I'm gonna have to start this off by with like a preface to say that I might be a bit of a negative Nelly in this episode. Oh um, no! And I, no! I know. Oh, negative Nelly alarm! <laughs> negative Nelly alarm! I know. He wasn't that. He um, wasn't even negative about the um about the Ewok, the Ewok special. So I, <laughs> I'm worried. It's because I loved the Ewok special. It's not like a. I'm not gonna sit here and just crap on the season. Um, there was just. I think like a lot of people, I didn't really enjoy this one as much as the first two seasons, um, and I yeah I I know because we did a, an episode with Seismic Cinema recently sure. where we talked about Mando, and I know that you shared some of the thoughts I had on yeah. the season as a whole. Yeah. Um. So you know you're sounding the negative Nelly alarm. <laughs> like I might be sounding it for you in a minute as well, but I also <laughs> know that we both loved a lot about this season. So, um, I yeah I mean. I wonder just whether I'm just wondering how, what's the extent of your negative Nelly alarm is going to come out, mm. or what you know who yeah. who <laughs> which of one of us is is more negative. I wonder because mm. I I think I was quite I think I we were both quite glowing about about it okay. overall, but I think mm. wasn't wasn't it right that we both chose the Bad Batch the most recent ep- season of the Bad Batch over the Mandalorian when we were on side? I think we both well. did, yeah. Yeah, we did. I um I should we maybe start with the like maybe I just need to get this off my chest and then we can like gush about positive stuff sure, sure. at the end of the episode. Sure. Because then we might spend more time dwelling on what was really cool. Yeah. Okay. So what's the thing you need to get off your chest? I again, like a lot of people, I think for me this season just didn't really feel like it knew where it was going or what it was trying to do. Right up until like the last couple of episodes. It felt like there was just a lot of, um, a lot of like, I don't know, treading water keeps coming to mind. Like it took a while for the plot to start. You know, Moff Gideon didn't appear until the very end of the season. Um, the whole, um, you know, his kind of arc with like the clones and the Beskar stormtroopers and everything. Yeah. It just seemed to appear very suddenly at the end after a mm. lot of like ambling around. Mm, mm, and I mm. yeah I because I love those last two episodes of the season I think the mm. last two the kind of it felt like a two-parter finale mm. was some of the best episodes of the Mandalorian overall I think yes it was just by the time it got there I was a little bit like oh, I'm kind of tired of how long it's taken to get here mm. I wish some of the story had been teased out so it wasn't like all happening at once it it did feel a little bit didn't it that they spent quite mm. I mean the main thing about this series is that 
Din really isn't the central character of season three. No, as much as he is no. one of the most, he is one of the most important characters. But the the central character of this is Bo Katan, um, and mm. most of the series follows her redemption as the leader of Mandalore, and that I think a mm. lot of people found that a little bit grating that we were once again yes. watching a series that where you know the central character the central focus of the episode isn't the the thing that people are going there for so i think that's probably what a lot mm. of people online probably probably shared your concerns in that sense or well shared mm. my concerns or or our concerns maybe and on many things but yeah in terms of your what you said about um getting to the point of the season and maybe it took a long time i think i think i i, I agree um there was a lot of episodes that felt I hate to I hate to use the word filler, James. I don't want to use the, I don't want to use the word filler. Go on, drop the f bomb. I, I don't want to because they, 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 it's hard to it's hard mm. to say filler because most of the episodes did serve yeah. a purpose. Like the one where um, Bo-Katan and Din had to save the foundling from the mm. pterodactyl type bird thing <laughs> like it served a purpose in order to try and find you know to reintegrate Bo-Katan into the wider Mandalorian culture in a sense and mm. try to bring those two groups together through this shared controversy or this shared like conflict that happened um, mm. um but there were there was a few bits that it, it did take a long time to get to, like you said, sort of all that aspect of the clone, the cloning, um, or sort of the clone stormtrooper, or the Beskar armor on the stormtroopers. Um, all the, all everything surrounding Gideon took quite a while to get around to as well. Mm. Are you surprised that they sort of left Gideon pretty much almost to the end of the season? I was, yeah, because I remember us talking when we were at Celebration. Um, we we're talking about Thrawn, I think, whether he'd appear in in this season. And I said something like, I don't think he'll be the like final villain of the season. And then like I, I said something like, whoever the final villain is, I don't think it'll be Thrawn. And it yeah. did make me think, oh yeah, we're six episodes deep yeah, out of eight episodes and we still don't know who the kind of antagonist is <laughs> in this season yet. Um, which I, I feel like that for me is why it felt a little bit aimless. Uh, aimless is maybe the wrong word, but a little bit like... I didn't know what was kind of propelling them forward because I yeah. didn't know what was opposing them. Like I didn't know what Din was trying to do and who was trying to stop him. Well, well which I guess plays into the, the, which I guess plays into what you were saying about Din maybe not being the central character in this season. Like it's not really about um, in this in the way that like the first couple of seasons were about him escaping the Empire. This season he's not really the main focus, so kind of an antagonist for him maybe wasn't as important but it i don't know it still it felt a little bit flat to me sometimes i was like i don't know what they're trying to do well, and i it, don't know yeah they spent yeah. So, so much time in the beginning of the season building up this redemption for din trying to get back to the minds mm. of mandalore in order to reclaim his his honor and that was sort of wrapped yeah. up fairly succinctly um like and an episode and a half i was i was sort of like oh okay <laughs> i thought this was gonna yeah. be a whole season arching <laughs> quest and it was done within yeah, when you know, they, two episodes. Yeah, when they talk about, you know, you're going to have to go to the Mines of Mandalore, but you can't go there because the planet's covered in toxic gases it's and you'll never find the mines easy. anyway because they're buried. And then he lands and he's like, oh, the air's fine. And Bo-Katan, he asked Bo-Katan where to find the mine. She's like, just down that hole, I reckon. And 
he finds them and he's done. And I was I was a little bit like I know a lot of people love that second episode. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but I definitely came out of that one being like, oh, is that is that it? Is that it for his kind of quest to return to Mandalore? Yeah. Um, and it was it was one of the ones for me that just left me wanting a lot more. Because mm. um, I, I wanted to see what Din's reaction was to, you know, landing on this planet that's so central in his culture and in his sense of identity, but also a planet that he has no, like, blood connection to, a planet he's never been on before, mm. a planet that most of the Mandalorians he knows aren't even from there. Mm. And yet it's like, it's the kind of this religious um, location for him. Mm. And I was like, I want to see that reaction. And there just wasn't really, because it was kind of done so quickly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. Was, it was done very quickly. And like you said, it's so surprising that no nobody else has gone down to the mines of Mandalore or checked out <laughs> and how easy it is. This planet has probably been, mm. you know, just sitting there in its present state for I don't know how many years. And you're telling me not one Mandalorian has gone down and gone, oh yeah, it's actually yeah. okay here. Like, like yeah. what's, the, what's the big deal? Like, it was it was very funny um, that, you know, it was all, I don't know. But because it was wrapped up that quickly, I think that's probably what aided or maybe that, you know, that elevated that sense of aimlessness afterwards. You know, mm. we, were, we were led to believe this was the quest and then suddenly we, would, we were left searching for what that quest was. For the next few episodes yes i mean the, the breadcrumbs were there that really it's about bo katan but um yeah I, it's strange isn't it i feel like um it almost feels like do you like do you think that there was significant rewrites in this given that because I... it, it almost feels like they had this central premise and and then suddenly it started getting mm. changed as as the writing went along well, I have a possible conspiracy theory about this. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying, like, maybe the Rangers of the New Republic show that was meant to involve Cara Dune, um, like, like, there were some ideas from that that ended up getting worked into this. Um, maybe, I don't know, because I, I don't know how far that show ever got through production. But my conspiracy theory um, yeah. is that season three of The Mandalorian uh, filmed between, where was it? Uh, film between October 2021 and March 2022. Mm. And that overlaps with when Pedro Pascal was doing The Last of Us, because that filmed July 2021 to June 2022. So he shot The Mandalorian in the middle of this. Yeah. Or at least voiced The Mandalorian in the middle of this, because I don't know how much he was on set. So I, I wondered if there was a bit of... Like, if they knew they didn't have him available for as much as they normally would if they like tried to wrap up his storyline a bit more a bit quicker and give more focus to Bo-Katan mm. I wondered even if that was why they decided to wrap up the Grogu separation in the book of Boba Fett rather than yeah. carrying it into this because they knew they just didn't have uh, Pedro Pascal's availability as much there might be nothing That's that might so interesting. have just think... been a coincidence but yeah I think you might be onto something there actually yeah because it just it just feels that's so true <laughs> Um, it almost feels so weird that those two, you know, the, both the Grogu and Din reuniting and plus the Minds mm. of Mandalore just both happening either so early or conveniently, you know, during those points where Pedro Pascal was available. Mm. Yeah, it, it, like, yeah, <laughs> I think you might be onto something there, James. Yeah, it may also just be a case of like audience expectation. Like, I think I definitely went into this expecting the whole season to be about this kind of quest for Mandalore. 
Um, and maybe at the end of it, you know, he realizes he doesn't need to go back to the covert or something like that. True. Or he'd be coming to terms with using the dark saber and the dark saber and leading the Mandalorians. Yeah. And maybe it was just a case of I was expecting that it turned mm. out to be something different, and I was disappointed it wasn't what I thought it would be. Mm. Um, it mm. could easily be that. I don't know. It was. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. I don't I, know. It definitely just felt like I, it wrapped that up very, very quickly. Yeah, I. It's. It's. It, yeah, it's it certainly made me feel, in general, the show, about halfway through, a little bit disconnected from it. Like I was sort of waiting for something mm. to happen, if that if, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, there were certain other, you know, there were certain interesting points which made the series a lot more interesting, and we can dive into them now, James. What about mm-hmm. Grogu's discover or Grogu's escape from the Jedi Temple? That was pretty cool. Yeah, we finally got to see, we finally got it revealed who rescued grogu it turned out to be a jedi no one expected apart from that one person on twitter yeah that you came which, across yeah which i i wish i could find i wish i could find the tweet but yeah um <laughs> good old ahmed best uh jar jar binks returning yeah. for the role of um what's the jedi's name again uh Kelleran beck Kelleran beck jedi temple challenge <laughs> which is which is a kids <laughs> game show um yeah. which sort of has what this um, cut which has this sort of raven feel about it if anyone remembers mm, that oh my god it's show. so yes it's so is that isn't oh, it it's yeah i keep wanting to say it's so raven and then i remember that's so that's, raven another, is also that's a show. another tv show <laughs> <laughs> there was the um wasn't there a catchphrase with raven like he's like he said it oh, he probably. said something every time before the anyway but it's so strange how he was the one to come back, but I I loved it personally. I thought it was a fantastic mm. reveal, um, and um, and really interesting to see um, where they go on to from there because it's a incredible escape first of all with him dual wielding mm-hmm. two lightsabers, and then he goes and meets some Naboo royal guards, and hey, yeah. Grogu might be being taken to Naboo, James, which I think you have an interesting theory of what that might be about. <laughs> I yeah. As soon as I saw that, I thought about um, if anyone can remember the Battlefront Two game from two thousand five. There was this campaign mission when you play as the Empire, and you go to Naboo to assassinate the Queen of Naboo because she's been hiding uh, escaped Jedi there. So it could just be a coincidence. I don't know, um, mm, mm, mm. but I do wonder if we're maybe going to see Naboo come up in if there's a season four of the Mandalorian or in some other, you know, exploration of this era. Mm. I did wonder if they, maybe the Bad Batch go there. Like, maybe they weave that, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Grogu appeared in the Bad Batch or something as those timelines start to overlap. Hey, we've already had, um, we've already had a couple of references to Naboo, haven't we? You know, Mm. not only, you know, just the the N1 Starfighter, for example. Oh, of course. Like, you know. I didn't even make that connection. So we've already had a reference to Naboo already. So maybe they're joining, you know, <laughs> joining the dots. Maybe they have been. <laughs> maybe mm. they're laying the seeds to some sort of future return to Naboo. Do you think that they would actually like send Grogu, like show Grogu with the Gungans, for example? Because that was where I kind of felt they might go because they brought back Armored Best. But do you think they would actually do that? Do you think they would put the Gungans back in live action again? I think it's um, it's not, you know, it could happen. Um, I think that it would be interesting. It would be an interesting place for them to go. No, because um, I mean, the Empire and to you know the Republic know full well 
the gun you know gunkin society and where they are um mm. it's not like they're hidden from everyone so it's not exactly the most you know the greatest of hiding spots is it although i'm sure they've got some hiding spots somewhere like some more sacred forest or something they can yeah. retreat to yeah true true it, it would be quite sweet though i suppose seeing grogu with a bunch of gungans <laughs> like that's like mm. just seeing the just seeing a load of gungans um you know wobbling their throats and spitting on all over over things <laughs> and grogu my gosh grogu would be able to eat so many frogs I did see someone on Twitter say, is this why Grogu loves eating frogs so much? Because yes! he grew up in a swamp. It could be. It could be. <laughs> Can you... And, um, yeah, maybe he... Maybe the just they've been teasing that in since the first season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've been laying the traps in season one that he's... Yeah, he was yeah. raised on the boot. That'd be so great. <laughs> um, That's I, such commitment. I think it's... Um, it would be interesting seeing grogu get taken to the home world of the emperor who um you know mm. given that he's he's one of the you know he's one of the main jedi that the empire is, and the emperor's searching for for a really long time i suppose mm. um and he was just he'd just be there on the emperor's home world that's quite a middle finger up to them isn't it <laughs> it's yeah. sort of like it's sort of like um obi-wan hiding luke skywalker on anakin's home world <laughs> yeah exactly I'd like to know if Padme has any involvement in this, or if it's um, just other aspects of the Naboo, like delegate or guard on Coruscant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, it doesn't seem like in Revenge of the Sith, like Padme has any time to kind of organise a rescue operation for any Jedi. No. But um, no. yeah, I don't know how maybe... all, like organised it was, because I, I assumed that Keller and Beck was maybe like on a mission or is leaving for Naboo at the time the temple mm. was attacked and saw the attack and went back yeah. to go and get anyone. Um, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who's yeah. behind this. It feels like there's someone. I really want to know. But uh, but that was that was one of the highlights, I think, of the season mm. and really interested to see where it goes. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, um, the, the Shadow Council because I really Ooh. enjoyed the Shadow Council. You loved the Shadow Council. I really did. I thought it was so fascinating to see the, the how the Imperial remnants were made up and seeing the um, seeing the possible return of Thrawn get touted in that, um, and then seeing mm. who is um, Shra uh, Thrawn's second hand man or right hand man, um, Captain Peleon. I thought that was amazing casting for him. He was great. Um, and then seeing mm. good old Brendel Hux in live action as well, yeah. played by Dominic Gleeson's brother, of all people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, irritatingly talented family, because you've got Dominic Gleeson, <laughs> and then his brother Brian, and their dad, Brendan Gleeson. And I feel like there are more Gleesons that are also incredibly talented. I hate it when a family is that talented. God, what's, what's the plural for a... For the family of Gleasons, what's what's the name of a collection of Gleasons? I wonder. Oh, that's a, a good question. I'll have to watch more and, of this stuff to find something. Who knows? Who knows? But um, but yeah, I just loved seeing that open up the possibilities of you know what what we could you know what is going to be going. Uh, essentially, I think that's setting up you know the Ahsoka series, the um, the the new the next season of the Mandalorian potentially the film mm. that's being produced or be made by um uh who is it that um who is it Dave Filoni is obviously making the Mandoverse film yeah um so obviously that's 
setting all of that up. Um, but yeah, I just found it interesting just seeing all of those, how you know, the different factions, seeing them vying for control again, because it seems almost like mm. a three-way split between Brendel, Hux, Thrawn, um, and um, and Gideon. Um, mm. And funny, I just love seeing, you know, Thrawn didn't want to show himself. Um, there's a <laughs> lot of people speculating that Brendel was there on, uh, was, was in that meeting as a representative for Ray Sloan. Grand Admiral Ray Sloan. Mm -hmm. um, and I just love how Gideon just represents himself there. He's just like, I don't care. <laughs> you can you can see who I am. <laughs> <laughs> is he representing himself or is it a clone of Gideon representing the real Gideon? Oh, now that's a question. Because a lot of people have been a lot of people have been speculating that Gideon mm. in the final battle wasn't the real Gideon. I don't think he was. I don't buy it. Well, you I don't think, think he was a clone. You think he's the real he's the real Gideon. Oh no, I think he was a clone. I don't think the real Gideon was oh, there. Cuz Really? Cuz yeah, I think if you if a character comes on and says like I've just made a um a corridor full of clones of myself and all of the clones die and then the character gets incinerated. Like mm. of course you're going to see more of him come back. Of course yeah. you're going to see like either he's going to have more clones hidden that come out somewhere. Or the real Gideon isn't in that room and he's somewhere else and then eventually we'll see the real Gideon later. I, you've got to follow that thread through somewhere, surely. Somehow Gideon has returned. Yeah, gonna, exactly. It's, it's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to happen. It's gonna yeah. Happen on it. Um, but yeah, I suppose... I, I did what I did think it, he gave... When the fire ensumed him, he did give himself up quite gladly to the fire as if he was almost mm. expecting it or accepting of it. And I found that quite yeah. an interesting thing there. Maybe yes, you know, maybe I don't know. Maybe he just accepted that that was it, and he knows that he's going to live on through other clones. I I, I don't know, but um, mm, that's a good um, shout. Who knows? But yeah, I potentially we haven't seen the last of Gideon. Um, mm. But let's let's talk about that. You know, that final episode as a whole, because there were so okay. many great great individual moments, wasn't there? Yeah, that was a real, like, stacked episode. Um, I'm trying to remember everything that happened in it, because it, well, like, it felt mean... a lot longer than it was, but in a good way. Like, not that it dragged on at all. It was like, I, it, it I, felt I, like there was way yeah. more than half an hour in there. I felt like there was just so much... There was so much stuff that I think the fans were waiting for. There was so much emotional... Mm. Um, I was going to say emotional damage. That's not the right word. But there was so much... <laughs> uh, there was so much emotion. Uh, there was so much action in that in that episode. There were so many mm. amazing set pieces, such as um, Din going and taking out the clone... Um, sorry, the clone troopers, the stormtroopers through the, the ray shield <laughs> corridor. Oh, so good. That was so good, wasn't it? It was just taking yeah. them out left, right and centre. Just with a shield, with with mm. like melee with pistols with just sliding like doing a knee slide as well he did a knee slide yeah <laughs> that was so it was cool like you see kind of you see his whole training like his years of honing his skills to this point where there's a obviously that line that gideon says later on about the mandalorians being nothing without their trinkets yeah. and you see in this hallway scene before then like yeah no din is everything with or without his trinkets yeah um like yeah. he yeah. just knows how to carve through a room of people who are stronger than him or better equipped than him yeah and damn it was so satisfying to watch i know because it felt like we'd had a whole season of din remarkably underperforming against people <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like like when he gets captured in the caves when he goes down to the mines of Mandalore, yeah. when he get he almost gets his you know he gets beaten by those creatures waiting for him mm. um it almost just felt like we were just you know we were getting a poor man's version of Din Djarin for a good couple of episodes yeah. so it was nice for him to finally have you know his re- see sort of season 1 did get fully realized mm. in that last episode um yeah, and then, yeah, and then he goes on and obviously fights the Praetorian guards, which was um, mm. which was amazing as well. Um, seeing Grogu jump around as well, <laughs> away from the Praetorian <laughs> guards. As much as we have a little gripe with with all the jumping that Grogu does, I think that was a really fun mm. moment. Yeah, throughout the season, every episode where Grogu had done like a flip out of the N1 or out of his um, pod or something, like you and I would both message each other and be like, oh, Grogu's flipping again. But then this episode, for some reason, I really didn't mind him flipping. It it felt so... It felt um, like it fitted. Like it, it I don't know, it just yeah. felt more, more, I don't know, proper for him to be doing that. Yeah, he he looked like a Jedi rather than like a prop being flung around the room. Yeah, which. Yeah. I think when it's in that context of the fight scene, it just worked really well. Yeah. Um, it was also I, how good was it to see the Praetorian guards? Like, I know. Did you expect that at all? No, not at all. I don't think so. I think it it made sense to bring them back as the sort of elite mm. guard of that you know the Imperial remnants. Um, and it and it's mm. really cool that it sort of insinuates that you know there's people like Snoke or or people like that in the background. Um, you know, the potential for that is there now with the Praetorian Guards. Um, but it mm. was, I don't know, during The Last Jedi, I i really liked that fight scene. And they and they did seem, you know, um, they almost beat Kylo Ren and they almost beat Rey. <laughs> I know there was a lot of them, mm. you know, against only two. But, you know, considering <laughs> these, you know, those two were prime Jedi and Sith, or not Sith, yeah. you know, Dark Side users, you know, they, they held their own better than most other adversaries that we've seen against these kind of people mm. so it was really cool to see them you know in a different context um wiping the floor with pre vizsla mm. and well yes. i mean they they almost would have beaten din had grogu not <laughs> used the force to start flipping their feet <laughs> from underneath them and i don't know it was it was fun to see them back but it was also really funny to see just that humor and goofiness of just you know Grogu mm. being able to just flip them, flip their feet up from under them, and put you know push them over. It was it was great. Yeah, it was really cool seeing like they felt so menacing, especially after they killed Paz Vizsla because there was a, like they just toy with him like a yeah. like a predator. Yeah, and I think it's the same sort of thing when they fight Rey and Kylo Ren as well. Like you said, they come close to beating them. I I think the reason they didn't beat them is because they try and toy with their prey. Yeah. Like, there's a point where they're, like, reeling... One of them's, like, reeling in Rey, I think, with this whip. Yes. And it's like, you could have easily killed her before now, but you're, like, drawing it out. Yeah. Because that's in your nature. They're, they are sadists, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah, it was fascinating seeing that characterization come out with them again here. I, I do love, though... I, I love the idea that... Cause... In the Shadow Council scene, they say, you know, oh, can you spare some Praetorian guards? And they're like, they do it quite, mm. I don't know, quite reluctantly. <laughs> they're like, oh, I don't know if we want to spare them. Well, you know, mm. I wonder I wonder how many they've got. And I wonder if, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like they've only sent, they've sent like 30% of their Praetorian guards. <laughs> and now they're significantly down on wonder... their numbers. 
Yeah, because I did wonder if these ones were um were like any of the same ones we see in the Last Jedi, but then I thought they're probably not because there's about thirty odd years in between there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I want to know how many do they have? Like, are there hundreds, or is it like a kind of a small elite coven? Yeah. Any do, number in between that? They do sort of feel like this era's version of the Inquisitors in a way, don't they? In, mm, yeah, in that they do. Of, that other line of that other line of you know defense or that just elite mm. um, squad that will just go in and tackle these you know these these mm. interesting things. But yeah, I I they did have this real menacing thing about them, um, and yeah, seeing them take down Pre Vizsla was was that was emotional damage, wasn't it? That was horrible. Oh, for sure. And yeah. Just, that like, was a scene yeah. where I'd never, like, I'd never really thought much about Vizsla's character before then, but seeing him stand up to them with just a knife and a tiny shield, I was like, oh yeah, I care about this character now. Now that he's in peril, I care about him a lot. And you just saw the, I think you just saw the honour of what it means to be a Mandalorian yeah. finally come through there. And I think that's when it, you know, that's when it and 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 obviously he was protecting people like Bo-Katan, who he didn't actually see mm. as one of him for a while, and it was just mm. lovely to see him. You know, just suddenly do you know, put all their differences aside and actually show that he's willing to do what is necessary to protect. You know, the entire coven and the entire, you know, mm. everyone who's a Mandalorian. I, it's a shame though, isn't it? Because he had that kid that he was looking. He had his son. Yeah. That, you know, oh, like poor guy. But he ended up with Act Woes, didn't he? So it's okay. <laughs> I, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I. it was that like, um. yeah, this sense of that honour, I think, really does sum it up because you think you think early on he seems like an antagonist to people like Bo-Katan and to Din because he's like, he's got a very gruff personality and he doesn't seem to let, like, accept anyone kind of into their tribe. Yeah. But you realise through this, like, that is just because he's trying to protect his people Sure. Um, but if you do let someone in, if you, like if they let Bo-Katan in, he's like, well, yeah, you're one of us now. I'll protect you too. Yeah. It was just before you were a stranger and I didn't know who you are, but now I'll die for you. Yeah. It's yeah. a fascinating yeah. character that we don't get enough of. No, definitely not. Um, we got some interesting cameos this season as well, James. We got, or I say cameos, mm. we got some interesting appearances. Um, you know, <laughs> none other than Jack Black. Um, who's, yes. the, who's the actor? Lizzo. Who, and we got Lizzo, and we also got um, Doc from Back to the Future. Doc Brown! I keep forgetting he was in this. <laughs> so do I. It was after our Size at the Cinema episode. I went, oh, yes, he was in yeah. this as well. Um, so Literally, many... when I watched the episode he was in, I saw him and I was like, I, I recognise this guy. Who is it? And then you text me afterwards and said, like, and how cool is it seeing Doc Brown? I was like, that's who it was. How did I not get that? <laughs> like, like, he sort of... He sort of it was I think it was easy to mistake him for for others. I don't know. It's, mm, it, yeah. I, he, I mean he does to me, I, I think I picked him out quite well, but I think it's easy to be I don't know, it's easy to not see him as the Doc Brown we will remember from the films. He does look a little bit different mm, and his costume and his attire yeah. and everything. Um but um yeah, it was I I Okay, let's let's go into um sort of you know, our favourite episodes perhaps. And perhaps mm -hmm. uh, maybe our favourite individual moments. We've picked out quite a few ones in general there. But James, did you have a favourite episode mm. from the season? I I think my favourite episode was the penultimate one, The Spies. Um, mm. And I, I don't know for sure why. I think it just felt like it was... There was a sense of like everything culminating. The Shadow Council scene in that was brilliant. Seeing these like threads of stuff 
from this show coming together, yeah. but then also leading to other things in the future. Yeah. Um, and of course, the, the Paz Vizsla scene at the end was just a, what a way to end an episode. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. There, mm. And there was a lot of there was a lot of um, really great work in terms of, you know, just the Mandalorians finally coming together throughout that entire episode. It, yeah. it, it felt like finally their society had been reformed again through that mm. episode. And, you know, the bit where they go, is it, when is it that they go, oh no, I think that's the next episode after, but they they run into that that ship that flies across the surface of the planet of those Mandalorians that have been there for mm. absolute ages. And, you know, just seeing, you know, just seeing Bo talk to them and and seeing her divulge her story on how she had to give mm. up everything to Gideon in order to save or for a possibility to save the planet. There were some really great moments in that mm. series as, as well as that finale, which sort of, you know, is is one of the reasons why it's up there for me is one of my favourites. Um, mm. Mine wasn't that episode though. Um, funnily enough, my favourite episode was the one that had nothing to do with the Mandalorians, <laughs> but it was the one following. Um, uh, it was the one uh, on Coruscant. Oh, the Doctor Pershing one. The Doctor Pershing one. I really liked mm. that one. I, I, I the Andor episode. The Andor. <laughs> Maybe why? Maybe that's why it just felt very Andor. Um, but mm. I, I, I know that I know that maybe it didn't help that much in terms of propelling the story forward. And now that I'm sort of looking back on it retrospectively, maybe I shouldn't see that as my favourite. But just <laughs> like, what did what did it do? What actually did it do to propel the story? But I really enjoyed just the the feel of that episode. The you know the mm. the the sort of spy thriller aspects of it seeing revisiting coruscant seeing all these incredible places that we'd spent we've spent time before such as you know the opera that palpatine and anakin sit in and talk about the story of dark mm. Plagueis the wise we revisit there <laughs> and then just seeing that whole story between persian and that other imperial play out and that double cross spanning pretty much a full episode mm. i just think that was told quite well and quite expertly what you know expertly woven um there's a lot of episodes i think that feel quite rushed or don't feel like the i don't know don't feel like you i don't know they yeah like we said before that feel rushed and things but that just felt quite neatly done in terms of the writing and feeling seeing mm. pershing trusting in someone and finally you know, growing to find that maybe he can work on his research again and finally getting to the place where he's convinced and turned around and then suddenly getting, you know, double crossed. I think it was fascinating. <laughs> it definitely was. It was, um, I, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, I feel like this could have been structured better than like one massive tangent, but also it was if you kind of just strip away like the context of the rest of the series it's a really good story it's a really yeah. compelling episode um mm, mm, and mm. yeah it was i, I think it's, i think colin said something from seismic cinema when we were with him the other day that um in season 2 migs mayfield's character um is obviously really important towards the end of the season because he helps yeah. din get grogu back but like he wasn't revealed um, in that season, he was revealed in a filler episode in season one. Yes. 
so obviously like became important later so i feel like this could be one of those episodes where people may have watched it now and been like why did we need to see any of this but then like in season four perhaps or in um uh in like ahsoka or in the dave filoni film like it'll come back around there sure be really important yeah yeah have faith (laughs) well 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 that's really interesting because that imperial spy is still there on Mm, coruscant yes she's still doing her thing um and Mm. whether or not she's reporting to gideon she may report to someone else now who knows Mm, Um, that's true so that's that's a thread that's been sort of left open and of course um persian is still there um the last time we see him he's mm. sort of being put in that in some and, state he's 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 being mind flayed like out of his yeah you know, like like anyone's business <laughs> and i suppose you know if din is now going on to take on the imperial remnants for the new republic mm. persian surely has to play a role in this in that you think so like maybe maybe he will be some sort of like helpful advice or someone who can point mm. Din in the right directions. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I do kind of want to see what what he's like now that he's been through the mind flayer. Um, <laughs> although I had to wonder in that scene where was is it Elias Kane? Elia Kane? I can't remember her name now. Yeah, um, the Imperial spy when. Um, she's watching him through the window and she says to like the technician operating the mind flyer like do you yeah. mind if i stay in here with because he's a friend of mine and the guy's like yeah sure i'll leave you here with a big button that can destroy his brain why not <laughs> like don't don't leave her in there alone there's just this the, <laughs> even if you don't think she's a spy the risk assessment on this place is is terrible yeah, yeah. just like yeah. oh yeah i trust you yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. oh, I used to be an imperial spy for goodness sake. No, you're changed. I 100% trust you. You've got that new badge. You won't play with the little murder buttons, will you? <laughs> promise you won't touch it. I won't promise. I I solemnly swear I will not fry his brain. Okay. Promise specifically I... that big button there, that big red button, don't press that one. It's not that even will fry his brain like it's an not egg. Even, it's not even like there's like a plastic cover on it. Or anything, no. or like a, a key to sort of lift it up or anything. It's just exposed. Like, yeah. you could just lean on it. Like, you could just fall onto I it. I feel, yeah. I feel like that guy is going to be in for like a disciplinary at work now <laughs> when he comes back in the room and sees <laughs> Dr. Pershing is just a puddle on the table and he's like, oh no, oh. I realise what I did wrong in here. <laughs> but then surely that would, that would, um, surely him seeing that would then make him hmm. question the Imperial spy. Surely he That's would come point. back in. Do they have and... CCTV in this room? Yeah, they surely have CCTV in this room. So did they just go, it's okay. You may have done that, but we forgive <laughs> you. It Like, we all make mistakes. He's He may be yeah. laying there as a puddle, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah, she's like, oh, no, that was the murder button. Oh, I, I really thought it was the ease his pain button. Whoops, <laughs> my bad. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? But I, I can't, I don't know. There was so... I. Yeah, I look back on that episode fondly in many ways. Um, mm, it was a good one. <laughs> it was good. So, um, yeah, I I mean, yeah, is there sort of a individual... I think you've said a couple, but is there an individual moment mm. for you? So is an individual moment that stands oh, out as yeah. your favourite? Yeah, there is. It was from, um, from episode two, The Minds of Mandalore. Even though, like... <laughs> Even though I was being a negative Nelly about this episode, yeah. um, the the scene where Bo-Katan comes and rescues Din, and she picks up the dark saber to fight that crab creature, 
it was it's one of my favorite action sequences in all of Star Wars already. Yeah. Um it's just something about like her kind of practiced elegance and grace with this sword. Yeah. You see like the fact that she's had this for years before. She knows how to use it. Yeah. She's a Mandalorian at heart. She's yeah. a warrior. And, like, Bo-Katan is a character that I've never really liked that much before from seeing mm. her in Clone Wars. And then I see her in this and I'm like, damn, this is so cool to see this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and, and later in the in the finale when she's leading the Mandalorians in the air with the jetpacks and she gets the Darksaber out almost like it's a kind of banner for them to follow. Just, like, there's something really, like, I got chills watching that. Mm. Just seeing this character kind of come into their moment. Like they, there's a moment there, and she just seizes it, and never looks back after that. That's so interesting. I was also going to say, like, not maybe not that individual moment, but I loved that mm. episode, that part or that sequence in that episode of the Minds of Minds of Mandalore, where you know, yeah. um, where Din gets captured by the weird spider alien robot type thing. <laughs> Don't know what it is. Don't think anyone knows what it is. The leggy we'll big just, boy. We'll just say it's <laughs> no. the leggy big boy who's sort of like General Grievous <laughs> in a sense. Um, but that that was what that felt so dark in terms of him getting captured mm. and getting things injected into him, which I'm assuming was taking his blood. Um, and mm. it just felt very sinister and dark. And yeah, I for for a while I think there's been you know times where the Mandalorian has felt quite fluffy and joyful around uh, quite a lot of mm. things and. That definitely felt a world apart from that. Um, and then, like you said, Bo-Katan suddenly coming in to... to well, firstly, Grogu going to go and find her and mm. communicate with her, and then her going and rescuing him. She really did pull out all the stops, and you just saw this mm. majestic and wonderful fighter finally proving and showing who they are. Um, you know, mm. she is the true leader of Mandalore, and she was wielding the Darksaber like a badass, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah there's a moment where like i was watching it and i'm like i'm not a mandalorian but i would follow her <laughs> like, yeah after seeing yeah. that yeah but t- speaking of the the dark saber james dark saber getting crushed mm. that was a cool moment yeah i did you see that coming did you ever think that would happen there's something about it that just really shocked me i didn't see it coming no it, it i i it almost feels like a one of the things where we should have expected it at you know mm. y- you know but no, I didn't expect it because I think it just seems like such a massive part of Star Wars. You know, we've seen it in the animated yeah. series, like um, in both Clone Wars and Rebels. And it's felt like such a big part of Star Wars that mm. I, did, I think that's probably why I didn't expect it to suddenly vanish or, or disappear in this one final moment. But it did. And it makes sense, though, because, you know, um, finally now the curse of people having to prove themselves or or prove their you know prove whether they're worthy to lead mandalore just because mm. whether they have the dark saber or not is finally over you know bo-katan <laughs> can actually you know she's proven that she's a leader and she doesn't need a dark saber to demonstrate that people just lead you know follow her because she leads by example and is an incredible leader um and it all mm. goes back to also that quote which you said from gideon which is that you know Mandalorians aren't anything without their trinkets. Well, this just proved otherwise, Gideon. It showed that mm. Bo-Katan is much, you know, is something without our trink- their trinkets. It's just Bo-Katan. She's what matters. Um, so yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really important moment. Yeah, it it surprised me. I think, like you said, we've 
seen the dark saber so much um throughout Star Wars. I just looked it up. It appeared in the first appeared in Clone Wars in the middle of season two, which was thirteen years ago. So thirteen years we've been following this like saga of the dark saber as a kind of yeah. subplot of Star Wars. Um and yeah, it it did feel like a kind of huge moment because like you said, now this like this symbol of the leadership of Mandalore is destroyed, but also the kind of in a way it destroyed the fight or the the uncertainty over who might lead Mandalore because it's like we know it's Bo-Katan now because no one else a no one else can take the sword from her but mm. like b no one else is going to take the loyalty of the people who saw her fight mm. away from mm. her now um mm. Mm. like it it doesn't matter whether or not she has the dark saber now because mm. i don't know it's almost like she is the dark saber in that symbolic sense yeah. like she is the the sword that they will follow now Yes, yeah, well, and that and, felt kind of poetic. Actually, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it, but it, it it does feel like they've rounded out her story quite quite nicely, mm. though. Um, I mean, sure, yeah. they could take her story in other ways. That she could in- help Din in many ways on his journeys and his quest to uncover Imperial remnants. I'm sure she will help if Din calls for her mm. aid. But it feels like her her long standing redemption has finally been completed, and it just felt very satisfying by the end of that season. And it's going to be very fascinating yeah. to see what 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 we go on to in season four, how how the Mandalorian mm. is taken forward. Because I don't know about you, James, but I felt like it ended on quite a nice and and brilliant and quite complete note. Um, it almost mm. feels like it doesn't need a series four. I don't know about you, I, but yeah, yeah, I felt the same, and I do wonder whether they is going to be a season four um because i i may be wrong about this because i don't pay attention to twitter much anymore but i don't think a season four has been announced yet right and it did feel like even just the way that final shot ended with the camera like zeroing in on grogu with a frog and then panning to black it felt like you said like it was a kind of conclusive end to yeah you know the mandalorian story is done he might reappear Mm. but the mandalorian story is more or less like the book is closed. Yeah. Um, well, but, well, it yeah, has, hasn't it? Because right. you know, Grogu, yeah. Grogu is now. You know, I don't. I think they said, you know, we're not. He's not interested, or they're not interested in finding Grogu's parents. Um, mm. The whole saga of finding who Grogu's parents is has been um, sorted by the fact that now Din is Din is his father now. Like that's all that yeah. matters now. So that story, in a sense, is completed. Grogu has. Found, finally found his home he is he's pushed away or at least he's he's not chosen to be a jedi but he's chosen to be a mandalorian in a sense and that story is because mm. that was a big part of season two wasn't it was well at least in the book of boba fett was um grogu choosing which path he was going to follow and this sort of completes yeah. that trajectory um and din has finally found his family and found a home um um and yeah, and sort of rectified his, you know, his place in the ma- the rest of the Mandalorian culture. So it does feel like all of those mm. are neatly tied together. Um, and I just, I just feel like a season four. I don't know how much emotional weight can be gotten out of a season four if it's literally just mm. Din taking out contracts and and looking out for Imperial remnants. Sure, Gideon yeah. coming back would be a, you know. I think that's just that's probably the easiest thing you could do in order to <laughs> heighten that tension of season four again. 
Like, I'm sure Thrawn will feature in some way. Um, mm. Like, sure, I'll watch it. I think it'll be a great season four. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I just think they they rounded up rounded out nicely. Yeah, and I'm thinking even just in like a pragmatic sense, we've got Ahsoka coming later this year that is set around this time frame. Um, Skeleton Crew at the end of this year, I think, again set in the same time frame. And then, like you said, Dave Filoni is making this film that's going to wrap the Mandoverse together. Yeah. So I, I don't know if there's even like time to put a season no. four of The Mandalorian in before that yeah. happens. Um, yeah. But yeah. then, I yeah, I think the same thing as well. That I like, I'm not quite sure what the story would be other than just to set up like to tee up that film um, mm. with Moff Gideon returning or something. But yeah, yeah. It's just, I I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't another season. Um, if it's just like Din Djarin will return, but maybe not in The Mandalorian. But it will be in the film that they float. Yeah. Making. Yeah. I think that would yeah. be nice. Yeah. Because then, yeah, it would just be a nice way of bringing all the different threads of the Mandoverse together. I agree. Mm. Um well, James, is there any, I think maybe we we can wrap up there unless there's anything else we want to touch on. Is there anything else that you can think of? Oh, I've still got like six hours of negative Nellying to do. <laughs> I suppose we haven't done enough of it, have we? Haven't we? We, we, did, we started off with a bit of negative Nellying and then we decided, we decided to sideline it. We're too positive. It's one of the things I... I know it's one of the things I love doing about these shows because we get sucked into like people arguing on Twitter about whether stuff's good, and then we do these to review it. We're like, no, nah, actually, we really love this. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's just, it's, we just enjoy see, it for the yeah, yeah, yeah. See, if we had a Patreon, we could be like, ah, now for our private Patreon members, we've got the six-hour negative Nelly cut. But <laughs> yeah, please, yeah, get our get our negative thoughts on this page, on this forum page. Yeah, yeah just donate five dollars. Yeah, five dollars a month. My goodness gracious! Hey, for mate. our anger. <laughs> hey i guess that's yeah at least people are going there knowing what to expect and they're paying for that mm. you know no problem <laughs> about it i suppose <laughs> i don't know whether yeah, i have enough i'll happily sell emotions for, for money i don't know whether i can no, fill I... six hours of negative nellying i don't know about you no i'm not sure i could either i would really be like struggling for words by the end of it we'd have to get ourselves really riled up what's the what's the thing that yeah. gets you most riled up in the world james Oh, like in the world of Star Wars or just the world generally? Just in general, in general, what would get you as angry as possible for that? Mm, um, oh, recycling food bins when the bag splits as you're taking it out of the caddy. Oh my that God. Would, like if, like yes. if I take the food recycling out before we do this, it would have been a much different review. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been yeah, much yeah. angrier. Yeah. Um, mine, would, my, mine would be the fact that all my fresh food such as mushrooms and spinach go off way too quickly and have to keep buying them they go again, off so again, quickly again. they go so quickly so i would need to open my fridge see the fact that i've had a whole bag of spinach mm. spoiled again and then i would have to come on and do a review so that's me <laughs> I, um but I, I tell, that's really funny that you mentioned about the food recycling thing because that happened to me mm. a, a day ago my i was i was taking oh up no the, i was trying to i don't know change my food recycling caddy and the bottom of it split, and it was just this pool of oh. just stuff at the bottom. I was like, great, thanks for that. That's what I needed today. <laughs> just another, another 20 minutes of to work. dig into. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, James, 
I know we've talked a lot about the Mandalorian, yeah. but I think we should just take a moment to mention the fact that you have just had a very special delivery today, haven't you? <laughs> I have indeed. It's uh, we're recording this on Jedi Survivor release day, so I had that drop through my letterbox this morning. Hey, the best! Ah! I'm so jealous because I can't play it because I don't have a PS5. How dare you? Well, How dare you get this? <laughs> well. This might make you less jealous because I still haven't played it. Um, because oh, it's it still, still downloading. It's down. I think this is why our internet connection is a bit shoddy because I am downloading Jedi Survivor right now. Gosh, that's. I, 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 I swear you told me that was happening around about one o'clock in the afternoon or twelve or something, and it's still going. Yeah. To this. I put the. Wow. I put the disc in at half three this afternoon. It's now half past nine in the evening, and it's wow. still got half an hour left. Right. Well, it's I, a, I it's a chunky game. Um yeah. I think it's probably time to wrap up. I think it is indeed. So we now want to know what your thoughts were about season 3 of The Mandalorian. Were you a negative Nelly or were you completely swayed by Bo-Katan being a badass with the dark saber? Uh you can let us know your thoughts on social media at Moisture Farm Rep or you can send us an email at moisturefarmpod at gmail.com. In fact, if you have any suggestions about topics, characters, or places in the Star Wars universe that we can discuss in Season 5, send them our way too. And, of course, you can always, you know, keep an eye on when Season 5 is coming out on social media. Um, and you can reach us individually on Twitter. I am at James16Matthews. And I'm at Wheeler underscore Deals. And if you like this episode, why not subscribe and leave us a review on your platform of choice? And if you want to support the show, you can literally buy us a cup of Jawa juice at buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farm rep thank you for listening to adam and i we'll be back at some indeterminate time yeah, later probably, this year probably in to... a few months probably a few months yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> to discuss more of the incredible universe that is star wars but until then we'll see you next time on the moisture farm report <laughs>